Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vintage music to start the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. It's my partner, Andy Anders. Welcome to everybody who's watching on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. We're glad to have you. This puts you in a mind of, uh, I don't know, throwing on a big raccoon coat and heading out to the game uh, in ready a suit for, and tie, don't you? Ready for the season, man. <laughs> well, let's hope we have a season. Yes. Uh, we'll discuss that today. A couple other topics that we'll get into. Some recruiting news. Big loss for Clemson. Big win for Ohio State. Um, so, Buckeye fans never tire of that. We'll touch on Jim Harbaugh entering year six at Michigan, still looking for his first win over Ohio State. And then we have, of course, on a podcast entitled A Few Good Men on the Big Ten, we must, must, must have a segment entitled You Can't Handle the Truth. Absolutely. Fantastic. We'll be also talk to Chris Landry, uh, our podcast uh, network head. From LandryFootball.com. We hope you'll follow Landry Football on Twitter at LandryFootball. Andy Anders on Twitter is? Andy Anders 55. Andy Anders 55. I'm uh, at Hools, B-H-O-O-L-Z. Uh, what is the 55? You were the 55th Andy Anders who went to Twitter? <laughs> Not quite. I was. That uh, was my number in football. There we go. That was going to be my guess. Perfect. Offensive lineman? Hell yeah. All right. Andy Anders. He'll be bringing us all the... Uh, nuances of bending your knees right and coming off with the proper step and all that kind of Pass stuff. Pass pro is my special. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, looking forward to that today. Uh, I'm Bruce Hooley. I've covered the Big Ten, uh, formerly for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, for uh, WBNS Radio in Columbus. I do a podcast with Chris Spielman, which you can find on any podcast platform called Spielman and Hooley, We Tackle Life. So I go back quite a bit further than Andy does, but Andy was uh, – uh, just graduated from Ohio State University, and Andy's all over recruiting, and you're going to bring a very interesting element to the podcast, Andy. I'm glad to do it with you and glad to be affiliated with the Landry Football Channel on Twitch. I'm excited. We got a, a mix of uh, you know youth and inexperience, but a hunger over here, yep. and then the experienced, you know, been in the game for decades, and I'm just, this will be my third year as a member of the media, the accredited media. The uh, first recruit to commit verbally to Ohio State on my first day on the beat was a guy you may have heard of named Kirk Herbstreet. Yes. Okay, so that gives you a little bit of the span of how far back I go covering the Buckeyes. Herbie, of course, is uh, the preeminent voice on college football. And right now, Andy, uh, when it comes to college football, we're up in the air. This is the week that uh, 
teams are supposed to be reporting. They're allowed to do walkthroughs on July the 24th, which would be the end of this week. Do you anticipate that we will be progressing throughout the remainder of the month of July in through August and working toward a schedule that has already been impacted by COVID-19 precautions because at least in our conference, the Big Ten, they're not playing non-conference games this year. Right, the Pac-12 too. Well, I mean, what I've said throughout this thing is there's too much money in college football for there not to be a season. But Emmert, the president of the NCAA, yep, Mark, Mark Emmert, Emmert yep. just came out and said that if the numbers don't get back under control, that they're not where they need to be, then we're not going to have games in the fall. Um, which is obviously troublesome if you're a college football mm-hmm. fan. But they do have a plan in place. The NCAA came out with some new guidelines, uh, testing within 72 hours of games. So it looks like they're obviously they're working as hard as they can to have a season. Um, I don't know about the practice schedule getting changed. I think because it's teams kind of in their own bubble already submitting to testing, you know, kind of getting through their self-quarantining procedures, I think that practice schedule could proceed as normal. The challenge then when you're playing other teams is obviously, are they up to the same standards as you? Well, we certainly know that the Big Ten and the other Power Five conferences uh, live a life different than schools like the MAC, the MEAC, all these other smaller leagues that furnish Big Ten teams with a lion's share and Power Five teams with the lion's share of their non-conference opponents. And so I... Guess if you're an administrator at a Power 5 level, you're looking for a way to keep your guys as safe as you can when you're playing opponents. You have to play opponents to have a season. So I guess the assumption was that playing Indiana, playing Iowa, if you're Ohio State, playing you know another Big Ten team, it gets a big fat check from the Big Ten Network and from Fox and from ESPN. Those schools will have uh, safer protocols in place, and you can count on how they would be monitoring players, treating players, and stuff like that, then you could a smaller Division One school with a budget that's just not up to the same level as a Power Five. I assume that is why the rationale came down from Big Ten headquarters. Let's press forward with the season, but let's start with the fact we're not going to play non-conference games. Yeah, I, you can't wander out of the conference and hope to continue to have a season, I think, because if Ohio, play, Ohio State plays Miami of Ohio, are they going to have the same regulations in place, you mm-hmm. know? I don't know, but I know that uh, it's going to be a weird season if we don't have um, anything to compare Big Ten teams to outside of their own conference because, honestly, uh, the Big Ten hasn't provided much competition for Ohio State lately. The Buckeyes are coming off a third straight unprecedented, an unprecedented third straight outright Big Ten title. And um, this year their season will boil down, now that we don't have an Oregon game on September 12th, their season's going to boil down to their trip to Penn State. And I would think that, you know, Ohio State, that's the only game on their schedule that I see that they can lose. They play at Michigan State. They got Michigan at home. I don't see any other team there that's capable of beating them. Penn State, I don't feel the same way about. I think the Nittany Lions could beat Ohio State. I mean, if they beat Ohio State, they'd have to lose twice in order for Ohio State to lose the Big Ten East tiebreaker. So, you know, I I think that's possible, I guess. But for me, the Big Ten comes down to that Penn State-Ohio State game. You also wonder, what's the schedule? is the schedule going to stay the same and then you're just going to play nine games or are they going to expand and play 12 conference games? I don't know. And if that's what's happening across the country, are we going to pick a playoff based on a nine-game season or a 10-game season? I think there are a lot of questions that are unanswered. And for me, um, 
I think the challenges to play football at the three levels are all different. The high school challenge is different than the college challenge. The college challenge is different than the NFL challenge. On the high school level, the challenge is, do you have enough players to play? Because if you're going to quarantine players when they test, you may not have enough players to suit up. College level, I don't think that's a problem because you got 85 guys on scholarship, you got walk-ons, you're going to have enough guys to play. NFL, you know, those guys, the money at the NFL level is such that they can treat, test, and always find replacements. I mean, there's, you know, we've had other football leagues, so there are going to be an ample supply of players. I think the college situation is the most complex because colleges are the most idealistic place uh, in our country. Uh, College football players still have that tie to parents. You know, pros don't. Pros make their own choices. So you've got this mix at the college level of the idealism, the politics mixes into everything, uh, you've got uh, a lot of uh, professors who are aged who may not want to teach on campus. You got, as I said, the parental issue mixed in. So I think for the three the three different levels of football, high school, college, pro, I think college is the most complex level to navigate this season because, as you mentioned, if they don't have it, uh, there could be college athletic programs throughout the country that could go under. And I think the way the college athletic system has operated with pretty good salaries for coaches and pretty good salaries for athletic directors and stuff like that at the at least at the D1 level they don't want to see that system go under but they're trying to navigate and balance their hopes for continuing things as they've been with an era where parents and players and idealism and all that mixes into it right and it's i think the also the lack of a governing body truly over one Great point. College football. Great point. You know, the NCAA can recommend things, but it's up to the conference commissioners individually. Even at the high school level, when you talk about, like, an individual state, the OHSAA can say, we're going to play football and we're going to do this. Yeah. You can regulate it at the high school level. Um, I think the main challenge with high school is testing because you don't, like, the small-town high schools, are they going to have the funds to test players week in and week out? Probably not. Probably not. Um. And then, like you said, fielding a roster. But that's a big challenge for me for college football. How do you manage the country when you don't really have a central governing body or a players' union? Yeah. Well, I I think it's a very complex issue. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, we see that they still haven't figured it out. Just in the mere fact that uh, I was astounded to find out that Kevin Warren, the the, uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, was on a conference call with all the other conference commissioners what, a week or so ago? And then the very next day, he makes the announcement that the Big Ten is going to play not uh, play conference games only. And he didn't bother to tell his colleagues on the call from the SEC, from the ACC, that that was coming. I mean, I, to me, that's a strange, strange way for Kevin Warren to operate. Yeah, I, I Maybe it's, it is his first year as commissioner, so... You wonder, I don't know. It's just, that is that's that's weird. not a learn on the job type mistake. That's just a I think that's a tone deaf mistake. I I mean, if you're all in it together, if you're all having a conference call, then that's presumably why do you have a conference call to keep everybody else in the updated loop. on yeah. in the loop on what you're doing. 
And if he's not going to do that, I don't really see the point of it. All right, we're going to have Chris Landry call us at about uh, 15 minutes after the hour. Looking forward to visiting with Chris, who's a former coach in the NFL, a former coach in college, uh, coach at LSU, coach with Bill Belichick of the Cleveland Browns. He operates the uh, Landry Football Network. Make sure you're watching LandryFootball.com for all the details on all the different podcasts that we have, ACC, Big 12. I think we're followed today on Twitch on the Landry Football channel by the guys from the Big 12. Looking forward to that. SEC Gumbo. So uh, great stuff there. Here's a little something for our guys in the SEC. Computer or Facebook or whatever, Twitter or whatever you do. Yeah, there it is. Nick Saban. Pull it up on your little computer. Classic quote. Or Facebook or whatever, Twitter or whatever you do. We never get tired of hearing that. We never get tired of hearing uh, Nick Saban pound the podium and knock his bottle of Coke over and... Uh, you know, hey, maybe Nick Saban's going to knock over Ohio State on the recruiting trail. Andy, I saw that Alabama, which was 47th at one point in time in the recruiting rankings, is now collecting five stars like some people collect stamps, uh, even though Ohio State got a big get over the weekend. Yes. Is there a chance Alabama could overtake Ohio State for the best recruiting class in 2021? I mean, they're in on a couple more five stars, from my understanding. Uh, got They're leading for a couple other top prospects. But, yeah, that's I mean, that's Alabama's M.O. It seems like they... They the last few years they always seem to make a late push and obviously they're the they were the gold standard for a long time and probably still are at least one of the best teams recruiting wise Ohio State Clemson even Georgia have started mm-hmm. to recruit with, with them in past years but yeah I don't I don't see why although Ohio State is putting together kind of an all time class and then the leader for two more five stars um, with an outside shot to finish with the best class per the rankings, the composite rankings in history of in the history since they ranked recruiting. Yeah, I, I, I'm not dialed in on recruiting nearly like you are, but I know that it's significant when Ohio State gets a kid that Clemson had in a few weeks, maybe a month or so ago, when Jordan Hancock committed to Clemson. That was seen as a big get for Clemson. Uh, oddly to me that he said yesterday that he always wanted to go to Ohio State and that he's following his heart because he decommitted from Clemson and now he's coming to Ohio State. Uh, he's out of uh, Suwanee, Georgia, I believe. Yes. And am I right on this? Didn't wasn't there? Wasn't he considered to be a package deal with another guy, another yeah. high school teammate? Uh, there's a linebacker. Um, shoot, I'm, I'm blanking on the name at the moment. But they, yeah, he was a considered a package deal with another four star linebacker. They said they wanted to play together, and he's still committed to Clemson. Um, so you wonder if Ohio State makes a run to flip him. I yeah. think they've got one more spot for a linebacker in this class. Um. Jordan Hancock is considered by a lot of people to be the best cover corner in this class. Why is he only a four-star? Yeah. A pure cover, apparently. I don't know if it's the run support or something that someone's worried about. But dude's got length. He's got speed. He's got everything you want at that position. Um, Played it in a really tough division of high school football, Mm -hmm. the top division in the state of Georgia. And Georgia's high school football is pretty good. I would say so with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence coming out of those ranks. I think the top two guys probably on everybody's Heisman Trophy ballot. I don't think anybody doubts the legitimacy of Georgia high school football. (laughs) No. Um, So a big get for Ohio State and the first commit to flip from Clemson since 2016, um, which is odd because you've seen – if you, if you have multiple decommitments from Ohio State every year, it seems like in other top powers. It's odd to me how much Clemson and Ohio State intersect on recruits going back. Taj Boyd, Jackson Carmen, Deshaun uh, Watson. Deshaun Watson. There's a lot of, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's odd. They're both looking at the very best players in the country. They're both among the most elite teams in the country. So, uh, Buckeyes beat them out, at least at this juncture, for Jordan Hancock. 
Uh, we're a long way from signature on a piece of paper, though. That is true. And I don't imagine that Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs are going to give up. I'm not sure if they're in the picture, but if he's that good of a player, which I assume he is given his four-star rating and the fact that he's from Georgia, you know, guys are going to keep probably pushing to, uh, to uh, pick him up. So we shall see. Uh, we have joining us now uh, via the phones is our friend Chris Landry from Chris Landry Football. Good morning, Mr. Landry. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? You sound great. Uh, just wanted to call in and thank you guys and uh, welcome you guys. And so happy to have you. It's uh, We know it's a lot of uh, question marks about this season and whatnot, but uh, for us, it's going to be a great season, and uh, just so thrilled to have both of you with us. Well, we know that uh, the coronavirus may impact the college football season on the field, may impact tailgating and parking lots, may impact uh, you know whether we have games or not, but it's not going to impact Landry football. We're going to be talking football all season long. And Chris, you've got a long background in college football, and for the people who don't know, tell them a little bit about Landry football and about what we'll have for them this season. Well, um, when I, you know, I was uh, working in the league for years and years, working for um, a couple of teams in the league, and uh, I moved back home to Louisiana when my parents got uh, of age and got sickly, and so I basically by accident started a consulting business. I started doing part-time work for teams, film grading work, and what we call weekend warriors, where you you go out, look at games, and then break down film all week, and uh, was able to do that and built a consulting business and doing coaching search work, working with college programs and NFL teams. About five years ago, I would say somebody convinced me to start a website and said, why don't you provide some of that information? Um, to fans. So that's what Landry, how LandryFootball.com was born. And uh, we did that. And uh, we started doing podcasts uh, a, a few years, uh, a couple of years after that. And then uh, wanted to said, you know, this is wanting to do it from a football standpoint, bringing in really good people like you guys to break down each conference, give different voices. Um, that's kind of how we've kind of grown and gotten to this point. So we like to say uh, we're the housing unit for um, reality football. We do have fantasy football content for a couple of shows on that as well. But LandryFootball.com is where you can get kind of a peek behind the curtain from a scouting and coaching perspective on the college game and the pro game, everything from recruiting to evaluating college players to the draft to evaluating NFL players, coaches, schemes, what have you. Well, you know, everybody wants in on this podcast, Chris, because you heard my phone ringing there while you were talking, and that was uh, college football. That was college football Hall of Famer and Fox NFL analyst Chris Spielman. He's trying to cut in on your action, being the first guest on the uh, well, Landry Football, we're, we're, a few good men on the Big we're, Ten we're, podcast. We're, we're going to make this quick because that Chris is a lot more important than I am. <laughs> I tell you that. Well, I don't know about that. Not at not at this particular time, but it, r- r- real quick, real. Chris may not rem- – well, he wouldn't remember this. He wouldn't tie me to this. But when I was coaching at LSU, we played Ohio State back-to-back. So Chris and Coach Bruce and that great crew that uh, they had came into Tiger Stadium, and we went to, obviously, the Horseshoe 
uh, as well in back-to-back years. And uh, one of Chris's best friends was a guy that I coached in Eric Andelsex. So yeah. be sure you tell tell Bruce, uh, excuse me, Bruce and Andy, make sure you tell Chris hello for me. Well, I certainly will, and I'll have to get you a copy of uh, Mr. Spielman's uh, book that I co-wrote with him oh, called yeah. That's Why I'm Here, the Chris and Stephanie Spielman story, in which uh, he talks about that trip to Tiger Stadium in 1986 and how he got in a fight at the coin toss with with Eric Andelsack. And then uh, Mr. Spielman got drafted by the Detroit Lions, and he's on a bus at training camp, and uh, somebody else gets on the bus, and he looks, and it's uh, the long blonde hair lion-like mane of Eric Andelsack, and they came to become best friends with the Detroit Lions. So uh, he, yeah, would, he would love to talk about his friend Eric with you, who uh, who died in a very tragic way, hit by a drunk driver, uh, while working outside his home. So, uh, Chris Landry, Chris Spielman, you guys would have a lot to talk about. Yeah, no, it's uh, be uh, it, it's certainly a, a great story, and Chris's uh, Chris Spielman's had a uh, obviously a great story in himself, and uh, certainly uh, a, a man of great faith, as uh, I know you are, and uh, certainly somebody that's inspired a lot of people on and off the field. So, we're really excited again to have you guys. They're talking uh, talking some Big Ten football all year long. So, Chris, just before, wanted to welcome bef- you. Thank yeah. you. Before yeah. we let you go, uh, I wanted to ask you, and, and Andy and I are going to get into this next, uh, do, what kind of college football season do you think we're going to have this year in terms of number of games, um, you know, throughout the year, college football playoff? How do you envision this season coming off? The real honest answer is I don't know. Um, it, it's It's really – very difficult because it really has, as you guys know, nothing to do with football. It's mm-hmm. really nothing to do with anything other than just how we deal with this. I've always said it's not about do we have a season, do we start a season, but can we maintain a season? So how do we deal with it? I mean, if if we're looking at the other sports, you know, golf is going on, NASCAR, you know, everybody that's baseball is getting underway. The NBA, everybody's doing it inside a bubble. Um, is that what we're going to do uh, in college? It doesn't appear so. How are we going to deal with all the positive tests? I mean, th- that's that's my concern. I think, obviously, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, all they did was by saying we're going to play conference games only. It, it's basically, it delays the start of the season. It mm-hmm. starts a decision because now the, the games start a little bit later. And to some degree, you can implement um, – you know, procedures within a conference. It's one of the big problems. I think Andy mentioned it earlier. So correct. We don't have leadership in college football that has any authority to organize everything. So what we're dealing with is, you know, kind of everybody trying to figure out as they go. I know the ACC and the SEC are trying to delay their decision to see if they can't get some games in the early part of the season. But I think we're on a day to day and, basis but we're we're far enough now where we're going to have to have answers by the end of this month or else we're not going to start it on time and then what then we just delay it another month and how long can you do that but I know that there's every effort to play it because of the financial reasons mm-hmm. but I just don't know we can have all the motivation we want um, I just the organization or lack thereof concerns me more in college than it does in the NFL, but I'm hopeful that we can have a season, of course. Obviously. We share that opinion with you, Chris. We're happy to have uh, you on our first edition of the show, and we really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to talk Big Ten on the Landry Football Network. Be well, and we'll talk again soon. 
Hey, thank you so much, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Appreciate you. you. There you go, Landry, uh, Chris Landry. And again, the site is LandryFootball.com. Follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball. So, Andy, how do you think the season is going to look? And it is a guess. We know that's a guess. Everything's a guess at this point in time. But how do you envision it going off? Uh, Number of games, college football playoff, interruption in the middle of the season, cancel season, a lot of just different possibilities out there. I think with this resurgence, it's going to have to be delayed by at least a few weeks, maybe a month. But you can't delay it too far. I, I think you'll see probably, if I my best guess at this point, and this is just, everyone's kind of shooting in the dark. I don't think there's anyone in the country that tells you they know what's going to happen with college football this year. Um, probably a 10-game season, if I had to throw a guess out there. Um, you have the playoffs like normal. One point I did want to bring up is that I don't think spring football is as much a possibility as people are saying. Lincoln Riley, I know. Moving the season to spring. Moving the season to spring. Lincoln Riley came out in favor of that, but it would be more of a health risk to the players to play a spring season followed immediately by a fall season when you consider injury risk, when you consider preparation for a following season. You know, to, to play two seasons in that shorter window, it would be a greater health risk to the players to do that than it would for them to play in the fall with at this COVID peak. Because, I mean... I don't think they should, given the current numbers. But if you're comparing health risks, playing two seasons of a high-contact sport like that back-to-back is not good for the body. No, it isn't. And I just think there's so many things here. I'm a, I'm a proponent of playing through it. I just am. I mean, I, I look at the numbers. I know the numbers are out there. I know it's a contagious disease. The numbers are that young people are not nearly as at risk as older people or people who are immunocompromised or obese or anything like that. So I think you have elite athletes. They wouldn't be playing college football if they're not elite athletes. I think they're getting the very best medical treatment possible. I think they're safer uh, in a team environment, surrounded by team doctors, tested every day, good nutrition, all those things, monitoring their sleep than they would be if they're left to their own devices at home if you just cancel the season. I just think it's safer. Now, can I eliminate the possibility that a player could get coronavirus and die? I can't. And I think that's the big, terrifying possibility for college administrators. Uh, we remember the names forever, as we should, of players who are paralyzed, like Chucky Mullins, of players who die in training, like Jordan McNair, like Rashidi Wheeler. Nobody wants to see a young person die while engaged in a sport. I understand that. I understand the liability risk. But I just think you can't eliminate all risk, and I think you got to plow through it. Now, as for the challenges of moving the season to the spring, Andy, if you're Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, do you play college football in the spring? No. I don't either. I mean, why would you? You're going to get drafted. The NFL, well, this we know. The NFL is proceeding with the NFL calendar. They had a draft this year at the height of the COVID stuff. The NFL is going to draft players in late April. I'm not stepping on a football field. If I'm a surefire first-round pick, as Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are, if I'm going to get drafted in a couple months, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, that's the you run the risk of losing the highest-end talent of the sport, for sure. I mean, people would say a spring season is better than no season, but again, it just you compare the health risks to a group of elite college athletes of playing through a season and risking getting coronavirus or playing two seasons spring fall back to back i think the health risks are greater in your scenario i mean not in your in my in the spring scenario the spring scenario they'd be lesser if you were to just play through this um 
What I will say will be interesting is will if there's a fall season and if you play while cases are still kind of at a high, will there be a bubble for teams? Will you try and make, contain? Will there be a bubble for Ohio State? You know that only like players and families, all that can be in a side like the NBA has established yeah. or the yeah. MLB has established. Yeah. Because obviously you can't do it nationwide again, no government governing body, but could the individual schools establish a bubble for themselves? I think that's a political football. I think that is a thing where because of all those challenges I talked about earlier, the idealism of the college experience, the fact these guys aren't paid, it's going to look at it like indentured servitude. They're going to be like, oh, you're taking their freedoms away. You can't do this, can't do that. It's not a college experience. Guys want to play. Yes. I, I wish they'd leave it to the players to decide, am I willing to make these sacrifices rather than an activist coming out and saying, well, you can't do that because the kid doesn't have the freedom. Or if Josh Myers, if you know players from every school in the Big Ten say, I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I'm willing, Michael Penix, all, all the players in the Big Ten, if I'm willing to make the sacrifice, Tanner Morgan, if he's willing to be uh, you know, enclosed in a bubble to play college football, let him make his own decision. Yeah. Those are those are people my age. I can I can make my own decisions. I'm an adult. They can make their own decisions. Yeah. So uh, the other aspect that I think I haven't heard anybody talk about it's real. The college football playoff debate is never a smooth, easy road. There's always a team that thinks it should have gotten in that shouldn't get in. Andy, we can have a situation this year where let's say Ohio State goes to Penn State and they're playing and. Justin Fields happens to test positive that week, and Justin Fields has to be quarantined, and he can't play in the game. And Ohio State is playing against Penn State with uh, C.J. Stroud at quarterback or Gunnar Hoke at quarterback or Jack Miller at quarterback. Ohio State theoretically would lose that game. Okay, so we get to the end of the year, and they're debating Ohio State, and they're debating Penn State, and you're like, well, Penn State beat Ohio State. Yeah, but Justin Fields was out with coronavirus. Now he's 100% healthy. Now he's got the antibodies. That's not going to be an issue anymore. Does the committee treat a player's absence for a game of national magnitude? Should they announce up front, look, we know this is probably going to happen. We're treating it as an injury and we're, you know, a loss is a loss, a win is a win. We're not getting into, well, this guy was sick or that guy was sick because I think they need to get ahead of that and let people know how they're going to look at it. But that is a part of this conversation. When has the college football playoff committee ever been honest about that sort of thing? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. I Should they do it? Yes. Will they do it? I don't think so. Um, it, there really hasn't been a clear set of defined standards, and part of that's that the committee rotates. So different people are going to take different criteria and weigh them differently. But I think, yeah, you should come out and say, this is how we're going to look at coronavirus cases. My personal opinion on that, I guess, is I'd view it the same as an injury. But if Penn State beats Ohio State, you can't say, well, they didn't have Justin Fields. Good. Let's say Ohio State loses that game by Two points right. on a late field goal with a freshman quarterback. <laughs> that would It would be an interesting argument, I think. But if Penn State goes on and wins the Big Ten title and they're undefeated, you can't put Ohio State in over them. No, you can't point. penalize Penn State for Justin Fields being sick. No, you can't. That, I mean, that's the eternal argument, though, of injuries in college football and this college football playoff era. I expect a 10-game season. But I expect it to be fluid and have interruptions during the season. I think we're going to have a season with multiple off weeks for certain teams. Uh, we may have to 
it could be as fluid as saying Ohio State's schedule for the first three weeks is Iowa, Indiana, Illinois. Then we're going to see who's healthy, who's not, whatever. Like, he might have a team that has 40 guys out one week or for two weeks. Okay, Rutgers got 40 guys, so they're not playing for two weeks. But they'll be fine, you know, presumably they'll be fine in two weeks and they'll be out there and, you know. So I just think, I don't know that you could come out in August with, here's a 10-game Ohio State schedule and we're sticking to this. Got to be fluid, got to be ready to move, got to be able to adjust. Yeah, but when you're dealing with bureaucracy and red tape, does that could be hard to implement. I'm, ADs may earn their money this year. Yes. They may. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they may. They may earn their All right. Uh, the... Uh, Story out of uh, the recruiting world we talked about was Jordan Hancock committing. What else should, what other names should people be looking at? Anything big coming up on the recruiting front? Uh, Who's Ohio State got to get? Is Ohio State recruiting against Michigan for anybody? Uh, What are the hot recruiting stories out there? Because so many kids have committed already that it feels like to me, uh, these recruiting rankings, we may have a little movement as we talked about earlier with Alabama and Ohio State may have a little bit of movement, but not a ton of movement. But are there some real plum guys that are still on the fence between either one Big Ten school or another, or in the case of, say, an Ohio State and another college football playoff team? I'm not as well informed on teams outside Ohio State, I'll admit. Uh, I'm not sure what battles uh, Michigan and Penn State and the Wisconsin's are in as much as I am Ohio State. Ohio State and Penn State are battling directly for a safety out of Pennsylvania by the name of Derek Davis, one of the best safety prospects in the country, probably a top 50 overall prospect in this class. Uh, the two biggest names left on Ohio State's board are Amik Agbuka, who's the number one receiver in the country. He's out of the state of Washington? Yes. Okay. And JT Tuimolau, also out of the state of Washington, number two overall player in the country and the number one D tackle who they could move to defensive end at the college level. He's kind of that Draymond Jones type, that versatile, about 270-pound guy. Larry Johnson could make him a first-rounder at either three-tech or the end, whichever. Um, And they're they're considered the leader for both guys. So Ohio State could potentially add two more players who are the best at their position. Cannot do a podcast entitled A Few Good Men on the Big Ten without a segment called you can't handle the truth correct i mean we have to do that have to all right so andy anders when it comes to you can't handle the truth what is your contribution this week all right so there was a story that came out thursday in 24 7 sports that tony dungy believes minnesota's next clemson in college football minnesota is the next clemson now we were 11 and 2 last year they were but uh you get uh you get PJ Fleck brings a lot of new energy into a program and no one was really looking at him and now they've got some attention. Um now Dungy, obviously a very knowledgeable football man, is an alum of Minnesota. Yes, I was gonna say obviously something, a gopher alum. Something to note. Also, I wanna say that headline Tony Dungy believes Minnesota is the next Clemson, kind of like Did he really say that? He didn't say that exactly. Just uh, said, Clemson, I visited with Dabo Sweeney a lot. Not a place where you say automatically you're contending for national champions. He said the fact that it can happen at Clemson, the fact that it can happen at Minnesota, that makes college football great. So he's kind of reflecting on what Mm. Minnesota did last year a little more. But to go ahead and take 
the headline at face value, I guess. Minnesota can't be the next Clemson because of recruiting. Um, you don't think people clamor to go to Minnesota and, and freeze nine months a year? I'm probably tell you not, man. That is as I've never been colder in my life than I was at Minnesota, walking around outside Williams Arena before a Big Ten basketball game one year. I mean, it the Minnesota cold is like a different kind of cold. Yes, it just. The term bone chilling was invented for a Minnesota cold. There's a reason why all their stores in downtown Minneapolis are connected by Skywalk. Because <laughs> you just can't go outside from December 1st to like March 1st. Yes. And so you wonder where is the recruiting base for them? Are you going to contend with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State in the Midwest now? Are you going to go into Florida, Georgia, California, Texas, where it's warm all year round and say to guys, hey, you want to come play in the snow? I don't. So, PJ, I think. Flex a really good coach. I think he's the real deal. Some people aren't as sold on him, but I do think he's the real deal as a coach. Mm-hmm. Will he stay at Minnesota for 10 years? Can't promise that. Um, but what I will say, I think Minnesota could get to a place where they're consistently winning 9-10 games, maybe happen into a Big Ten title one year where they pull a big upset mm-hmm. over Ohio State or Penn State beats Ohio State and then they're playing Penn State in the Big Ten title game after winning the Big Ten West. Um, you think PJ Fleck is long term for Minnesota? That, I'm, that's up in the air to me. I think he seems like he wants to build. I think he kind of has that same mindset as Dungy saying that he wants to be the Dabo Sweeney and build a Power Five team that wasn't really looked at as a power into mm-hmm. a power. Yeah, but I'm not sure if you have the resources at Minnesota to do it, and if a Texas job or a USC job or something like that comes knocking. And you've had a few years at Minnesota, what about and you the can't Michigan really job? get over that hump. What about the Michigan job? <laughs> I don't think that's opening up anytime you soon. You don't think that's opening up anytime no, soon? No. I... See, here's the thing. I have been, I, I think your take on P.J. Flex is right on point. I would, I would add one other thing. You mentioned the recruiting. Here's another aspect of the recruiting. Glenn Mason, uh, Big Ten Network, former Minnesota head coach, and Glenn won 10 games a couple of times at Minnesota. Glenn told me years ago, that Minnesota is the hardest school in the Big Ten to recruit to. Now, this was before Rutgers and Maryland were in the league. But the presumption was Northwestern was the toughest because of the academic standards. And May said, no, 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 Minnesota's the toughest. Now, he wasn't saying that because, oh, what was me? I'm at Minnesota. But he made a great point. He said, in Minnesota, for an elite athlete, football is second to hockey. He said a lot of the elite athletes don't even play football. Yeah. They play hockey. They want to play a physical sport. They play hockey. Now, there's only one other school in the league that would even have to contemplate that problem would be Wisconsin, and I don't think that's as big a problem in Wisconsin as it is in Minnesota. So I think he made a fair point then, and I agree with you that it is next to impossible. They don't produce that many elite athletes, uh, speed athletes, so that's going to be a real problem for them. As for the Michigan job, I know they love Harbaugh, and I, I'm a big fan of Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Harbaugh's a really good football coach. What he did at Stanford was amazing. Taking on the USC monster when they were at the peak and doing what he did with the San Francisco 49ers was amazing. I think the guy knows football. I just got to say, Andy, five years into the Jim Harbaugh era, I'm astounded he does not have and has not had a surefire number one NFL pick at quarterback or running back and that he struggled to build a dominant running game. Now people can say, give me, don't give me numbers. Give me 
running the football against other elite teams in the Big Ten, and they struggled to do that. And I thought he would come in and do what he did at Stanford with Toby Gerhardt, and he would just come with unbalanced lines and crazy formations and stuff and just overpower people. And, you know, to say nothing of the fact he's 0-5 against Ohio State, and I think the Michigan people look at the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry different than the Ohio State people do, but I don't think they want to go 0-5. No. And they're going to play in Columbus this year, and they're going to go 0-6. Probably. I mean, how many time, How many years can you go before you just say, well, man, I love you, Jim. You're a quarterback here. You're a great guy. But, but we eventually, we got to beat Ohio State. I think, for me, I think the expectations at Michigan are kind of set back now. Um where you almost accept losing to Ohio State year in, year out for a 10-win season after the Rich Rod and the hoax and the all that. That that whole era where Michigan football was in the can, so to speak. Um, Harbaugh's got it back to a respectable place now. You have that, you know, that monster on the back down south that they can't seem to shake. But I think... I think the expectation that he's winning nine and ten games consistently. I think the program is happy with that right now, even if he's not beating Ohio State and winning Big Ten East titles. What I'll say, I wanted to say this about his style of offense. I think the games kind of passed him by, and he's started to recognize that now with the hiring of Pep Hamilton mm-hmm. or and Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis. I don't know. <laughs> Pop Hamilton. Pep Hamilton. Name out of the past. He's been there before. He's been there before. Yeah. Josh Gaddis. Hiring a Josh Gaddis is trying to implement more spread concepts because, to me, I think you could run any offensive system you want and be successful with it. The problem is the players have to exist that are of equal or greater talent to your opponents that can play in that system. And so many high schools have moved to spread now, and so many players are just better suited athletes to that system. And you're recruiting guys, because Michigan's done well recruiting. You're recruiting guys that are four stars and they're more suited to the spread offense, but then you're putting them in a power offense. And I think that's been their issue. And then you try schematically. They've been awful in the big games, awful in the big games. Yeah. Uh, you not competitive, not competitive, but look at the 62 39 beating that happened in 2018. You ran, what was Ohio state's number one weakness that year? Or they had two big weaknesses. I'll say on defense teams that exploited the edge, mm-hmm. Maryland teams that threw downfield because the secondary, was man coverage, and they didn't have the first-round corners anymore. So what does Michigan do? They run straight at the interior of the defense where it's strongest. And then on defense, when you have four NFL receivers on the field, you blitz every play. Yeah. And Ohio State just runs crossing routes. So schematically, it has to be better. Don Brown's gimmick, Ryan Day, in back-to-back years, has absolutely owned... Don Brown. You know, you mentioned the 62-39 last year's margin. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but the margin was bigger. It's twenty. Yeah, it was 20. I think it was an extra two points. So, two points larger than yeah. the 62-39. So that just, you can't get, that can't happen forever and ever and ever. So we shall see. That's Andy Anders and his We Can't Handle the Truth. P.J. Fleck uh, and Minnesota, not going to be Clemson. Not going to be Clemson. But I think, you know, the whole thing with P.J. Fleck, I say going to Michigan because he had great success at Western Michigan. I don't know the last time a Big Ten school took a coach from another Big Ten school. They just hate to admit that another Big Ten school might have a better coach than their coach. So that's an impediment there. But I think P.J. Fleck 
he'd be a crazy person if he didn't want Michigan over Minnesota, as much as he may like uh, life in Minnesota. So we shall see. All right, now it's time for my... You can't handle the truth! Uh, my you can't handle the truth is uh, Malcolm Jenkins, the former Ohio State Buckeye. Now, I know once you play for the Ohio State Buckeyes, you're always a Buckeye and you're always beloved by Buckeye fans. But I can't love the way Malcolm Jenkins lit up Drew Brees for his comments about, I stand for the national anthem because I'm honoring my grandfathers who fought in World War II. And I just don't think that's how a teammate reacts to a teammate. Malcolm Jenkins was signed uh, by the New Orleans Saints as a free agent this offseason. You come in and you light up your quarterback, a guy you've played with before. Uh, You got to know Drew Brees as a person. Don't you owe Drew Brees a phone call before you go off on, you know, a rant about Drew Brees? And then Malcolm, I thought his response to the Deshaun Jackson comments about uh, the anti-Semitic comments from Deshaun Jackson, where Malcolm said, yeah, it's a distraction. Jewish people aren't a problem. I'm like, well, if you're an activist for human rights and for justice, you have to be an activist for all human rights and all justice. And so I think Malcolm uh, needs to take a, take a good look at his stance. Uh, you got to be a, you got to expect the best of people, I would say. And I don't think he expected the best of Drew Brees. I don't think he handled that how a teammate should handle that. And uh, if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm thinking, man, what did we do here? What did we what did we bring a guy in to like nuke our quarterback? Because that just looks bad. It just looks bad all the way around. So that's my you can't handle the truth, uh, Malcolm. I'm disappointed to see how he handled that situation. Yeah, I think I think people's heart are in the right place. I, I I'm the I'm the eternal optimist. I assume the best in people. I think Malcolm is trying to take a stand against what is a problem. In America, some of the systemic issues that the African-American community faces. Um, but you're right. You can't. That's not the way to treat a teammate, especially someone you're trying. Somebody you know. Someone they've, been, they've, they've been teammates before. This is Malcolm's second go-round with the Saints. The Saints drafted him. Yes. Um, so I think maybe a bit misplaced to put it out there publicly. If you want to educate Breeze behind the scenes on yeah. the issues that are affecting your community— then I think that would that would have been the right way to approach it. Um, One-on-one before you go to Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. Always a good plan, right? Yeah. Outstanding. All right, Andy and I will be back on Thursday, same time, same Twitch channel, Chris Landry Football, 10 a.m. We're talking Big Ten football all season long. We'll see because things change week to week, day yes. to day. Whether we have um, full speed ahead, go for it. Ohio State had a delay in their workouts. They're back at it now. Hopefully we won't have any more delays. Hopefully we'll have college football, the latest on recruiting news, and everything else right here on the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten Podcast. Andy, it's been fun, and we shall do it again on Wednesday as we cue the band on our way out. Absolutely. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.